Now that song was uh, cut a long, long time ago, but Buccaneer fans take it to heart. Meatloaf, man, he was on the Bucks beat way back then, way back when. Don't be sad. Two out of three isn't bad. You would have taken two out of three in the first three games back in June, July, or August. You would have taken two and one, but it's okay to get greedy. After winning the first two, I get it. Welcome to A Few Extra Bucks. I'm Mike Neighbors. This is PeterPyrus.com's podcast, All Things Buccaneers. A few extra takes on your Buccaneers. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great locations, House of Brews and Lutes on the corner of North Del Mabry and Van Dyke. Sea Dog Brewing Company, great locations in Clearwater and on the beach, Treasure Island. Great brews, great food, great service. Justin Thomas, our producer, you collected a lot of sound and you downloaded Meatloaf. Great job, my friend. <laughs> I don't want to go off track so early, but uh, Meatloaf is such an enigma to me growing up. <laughs> That's because you're young. Roy Cummings, I don't know if you're a Meatloaf fan because every week in this podcast you surprise me. I don't know if you're a Meatloaf fan, but I think that song definitely applies to this football team and its fan base right now. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, and uh, so look, yeah, let's, let's go back and, and remember what everybody was talking about before the season started. They were talking about disaster, tragedy. Uh, you know, zero and three, one and two at best, at best one and two, and uh, so yeah, two out of three ain't bad. You know what? Here's the thing: if you went two, if you won two out of every three games throughout the course of the season, guess where you'd be at the end of the season in the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Two out of three ain't bad, and considering what the Bucks were up against in terms of opponent, um, you know, one of those games on the road, obviously. Uh, no starting quarterback uh, issues in the secondary. Uh, some they, they just look just look at uh, you know what what developed as the course of the season started. Uh, running game inconsistent, defense inconsistent. Two out of three is real good. It ain't bad. It's real good. Well, you knew at some point the Bucks would lose, uh, and they, you know I, I thought Roy Cummings. We got to give him props off the back because Justin and I thought the Bucks would win this game. I thought they would win big. Boy, was I wrong about that. Roy picked the victory last week that the Steelers would win on Monday night, that the Magic would finally fade. But you can't blame this game on Ryan Fitzpatrick, Roy. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick had some costly turnovers, but he didn't get a lot of help from his O-line. The running game, you know, we talk about the running game every week, but the tempo of these games, I don't know if they It's – you know, you can't really lean on the running game the way these games have gone. But, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't get a lot of help, but he played a lot better in the second half too. Yeah, he did. And, you know, let's take this, uh, let's take it as a whole, the, the, you know, this game. Yes, he had one bad quarter. Let's not remember that one. Remember that one bad quarter. Let's start with that. And then number two, uh, look at how the Buccaneers came back in that game. It was, it, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick that put him back in the game. Give some credit to the defense, which got much better. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, shut out the, the Steelers in the second half, which was exceptional. Uh, you want to see him do that. But again, uh, the defense didn't quite get it done at the end. Not Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't quite get it done at the end. But still, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick that gave this team a chance. Ryan Fitzpatrick has easily been the Bucks' best player. That continues. And he was their best player again last night. And without him, uh, that, that could have been a 45-7 to uh, seven blowout or something like that. So there you have it. Let's cut to the guy who was uh, welcome back to the team today, Jameis Winston. I'm back! I'm back! 
Jameis Winston, you can say what you want about him, but he's always a hard worker. His teammates like him. But here's my take on Jameis Winston returning, Roy. See if you agree with me on this. Uh, he can say all he wants about predicting success of Fitzmagic and all that stuff. Jameis better be thankful that Fitzmagic got it done because if he walked in that building with maybe Tom Savage or some other backup quarterback not winning a game and he walked in this team's 0-3, it's not going to be all happy James Brown-like. He's lucky it's 2-1 right now. Yeah, there'd be a lot of pressure on Jameis Winston uh, if he was coming in uh, fresh, you know, uh, off a of three-game suspension, and the Bucks were one and two or zero oh and three, going to Chicago, short week. Um, yeah, you're right. He needs to be real happy that Ryan Fitzpatrick went out there and lit it up for this team, and really took a lot of pressure off Jameis Winston. Um, I, I'm not saying that Jameis Winston wouldn't be up to the job. I, I think he is. I think you could put slipping, put him in there right now, and he'd be just fine. Um, he'd probably run the offense. I don't know if it quite as well as. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has, but let's uh, you know, James Winston's had some pretty good games over the course of his career. So, uh, you know, the point is, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to step in and be the savior. And I think that's really important. He does not have to be the savior. And for a guy who's got to, you know, catch up on what's changed with the offense, who's got to start developing and redeveloping the chemistry again with his receivers, who, by the way, all have a really good chemistry right now with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, there's no question that, yeah, this is the best thing that happened for James Winston. Um, you know, he's going to have to fight to earn his job back a little bit. Um, that'll probably happen naturally over time because I don't think any of us expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to play at the level he is right now throughout the course of the season. But if he does, gee, what what's the worst that could happen with that? Um, yeah. You got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and who cares what his name is? That That's really kind of the, the thing here is, who really cares what the name of the quarterback is? That, that's what's amazing to me. Uh, Bucks fans should be happy that their quarterback, whoever it is, is playing at this level and giving them something that puts them on the map and, even better, puts them in first place in their division. Well, the breaking news on Tuesday following the Monday night game is Dirk Cutter's press conference. He basically took a line from Top Gun. If I had to tell you the game plan, I'm going to have to kill you. I'm just kidding. But he, he's not going to reveal who the quarterback's going to be. He wants to keep that close to the vest. But, but Roy, we know who the quarterback's going to be. It's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick against the Bears. Yeah, it is. And, and that's, you know, arguably the worst kept secret in Tampa Bay, I guess, right now. Because uh, it seems like Dirk Cutter's trying to keep it a bit of a secret. Um, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, how long he goes with that. But I would think the first day they go out there for practice, everybody's going to see who's taking the first round, the first team reps. And, uh, you know, that, and that's fine. So at the end of the day, um, yeah, it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's no question about it. I'm not sure why there's such a debate. Um, seems a lot of Bucks fans are kind of up in arms why Jameis Winston isn't the quarterback. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, that's fine. Uh, that's, they're not going to get what they want this time. Maybe in a week or two they will, but not right now. Let's look back at the game. Um, you know, so many twists and turns. I thought the the thing that really stood out for me were the uncharacteristic turnovers. And you knew Fitzmagic couldn't keep it up. Uh, the, the numbers he was putting, even though he threw three touchdown passes, threw for over 400 yards again, he did keep that up. But there were a lot of uncharacteristic plays out there from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Chris Godwin, a guy that who's been so dependable, not only in his short tenure here in Tampa, the great stretch run he had last season, the great training camp he had. I had a chance to catch up with him after the game. He had a, a couple crucial drops, including a, a surefire touchdown that could have been the difference in this game. Uh, here, here were his thoughts afterwards. 
You take pride in your sure hands uh, in training camp. I don't think I saw you drop one pass. Just talk about the one touchdown that, that went off your hands, or what went what went through, what, what happened on that play. You know, the, you know, I'm talking about the one back in the end zone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I don't even necessarily think I you know I really had a good a good grab on it. Right. I think um, I think it was a really good play by uh, I'm not sure I might have been Hayden. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he got his hand in there and just made it so I couldn't really get a good grip on it. But you know, either way, like you said, I I, I pride myself in being able to make plays for my team. You know. And be short-handed and you know I feel like in that situation even if it was tipped that I should have been able to you know relocate it and just make that play. Chris Godwin still had a touchdown catch second on this team in receiving yards but that to me kind of personified the Bucks locker room you and I were both in there after the game Roy and they weren't hanging their heads they weren't happy but they're still a very confident team and I think all the naysayers are kind of fueling this team a little bit they know they have a lot of talent and they were all about, you know, let's 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 resurrect this thing and, and go on to Chicago and get a victory before the bye. Was that the vibe that you felt as well? Yeah, uh, it was for sure. And I think a lot of that is just the level of professionalism that I think this team has risen to um, over the, the course of the last, you know, six, eight, nine months since the end of last year. I think they realized that a year ago they were a little bit too heady about themselves and where they were and where they were headed. I think they believed everything that everybody was saying about them, which is fine. Um, but, you know, you, you still got to go out there and do it on the field. They didn't do that. Um, and I, look, I've said it before. I think there were a lot of mitigating circumstances that, that uh, created those situations that made it a tough year for those guys. But at the end of the day, I think they learned a lesson from it. And I think that's one of the great things that Ryan Fitzpatrick has brought to this team. Um, you know, he's a real level-headed guy who understands that, hey, just because you won tonight doesn't mean you're going to the Super Bowl. And just because you lost tonight doesn't mean that you're you're not going to the playoffs. It, 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 it's a long season. All kinds of things happen. The Bucs are looking at it from the standpoint of, hey, let's go out and win a game on the road that's a winnable game for us against a beatable team and enjoy ourselves there and do what we came to do, and which is at this point finish 3-1 and one in the first quarter. If they can do that, they will have – completely surprised everybody in the NFL, which is what they've done it already, but the surprise is going to continue. Now there's a few people probably jumping off the bandwagon at the end of the day. um, You know, if they can win in Chicago, a lot of those people will jump right back on. They shouldn't jump off the bandwagon because this Steelers team is talented. I don't care if they came in without a win. Uh, Mike Tomlin, I think I saw a number. He's 14-2 and two in primetime games. He's never had a losing season in Pittsburgh. He's won Super Bowl. I mean, that's a talented team, great coaching staff. And despite all the turmoil they entered with, uh, I think, you know, they were hungry coming. And they knew, you know, I hate to say must win in week three, but that's about as close to a must win situation as you can face. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick, remarkably, is the only quarterback in the history of the NFL to have three straight games with over 400 passing yards, which is amazing. Afterwards, this is how he evaluated his performance tough spot to turn it over four times and, and really three, you know, interceptions on me. Uh, can't have them. Hard to win a game that way. And we obviously dug ourselves a pretty pretty big hole there. Uh, you know, the, the great thing to me coming out of this game is, again, the belief in the huddle in the second half and guys not wavering and not blinking and, you know, having the feeling that whole time that we were going to come back and win the game and the defense playing their tails off and you know, giving us an opportunity with almost three minutes left in the game, uh, I think in a couple timeouts and a two-minute warning to drive down and get three points. You know, to me, uh, obviously the turnovers I'm disappointed with, but 
that that drive, you know, for our defense to give us that opportunity and to not make anything out of it, uh, that's what, what hurts the most for me. Quarterbacks past or present would be envious of Ryan Fitzpatrick's numbers the past three weeks. And the Tampa Bay Times had a headline that said, poof. I thought that was a little bit harsh with Ryan Fitzpatrick's uh, uh, image walking off the field. I mean, I still think Ryan Fitzpatrick has some good games left in him. We'll see against the Bears defense coming up, Roy. It's going to be a tough challenge. But, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> – I thought the Bucks, despite all the, you know, bad play, big mistakes, it was still impressive how they came back. Here's what Dirk Cutter said after the game, evaluating the team as a whole and the loss. Three turnovers in the, in the first half. I mean, that's – we just did so many things in the first half of that game that we haven't been doing. I mean, so many things to uh, beat ourselves, a blown coverage on their first uh, their first touchdown, three, three turnovers, uh, multiple misses on uh, protection. You know, we've been doing a great job in protection, and tonight wasn't as good. Uh, give the Steelers their credit. They, they, uh, they got us tonight. Really proud of the way we, we fought. And, uh, you know, you're down three touchdowns or three scores at halftime. It's not easy to come back in this league. We gave ourselves a chance there at the end and uh, just couldn't, couldn't pull it off. So, you know, unfortunate, but uh, we got to move forward. I think the, the headline would have been more accurate if you put two halves together like they did in the first half, Roy. And there'd be, to me, a, a lot of reason for a quarterback change and some pessimism. But the fact that they came back and the defense played a lot better, should have had a stop at the end. That would have helped their cause. Defense turned it around. Fitz turned it around. That is a cause of optimism for this team. And, and I don't know, understand a lot of the criticism. I mean, you know, it goes back to the meatloaf angle that we started the podcast with. You know, it's funny how fans can get greedy, and that's okay. That's part of being a fan. But let's get some perspective about this football team and where you were from a mindset back in mid-August to where you are now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Look, um, you're right. I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised that there's so much negative talk. Now, look, that doesn't mean that there aren't some problems that the Bucks have to address. Um, winning hides and masks a lot of issues and those first two games did hide and mask a lot of issues that kind of came to bear uh last night in this game but you know you're also you're also facing a very good football team that was desperate um your pass protection wasn't quite as good last night and really that was what in my opinion sort of really decided the game you know the defense like you said or like i said before you know they shut down you just mentioned it they, they shut down the Steelers in the second half give the offense a chance to come back. The offense does come back. Uh, you're not going to score in every possession. They just, you know, they came one score short. And, uh, you know, I still think that's a uh, that's a good outing for the Buccaneers. And I think there's plenty to build on there. I really do. And, uh, you know, again, look at the pass rush. I mean, there was uh, plenty of pressure on uh, on Ryan Fitz, on, on Ryan, on Ben Roethlisberger. That, you know, they, they had some hits. Uh, they had three sacks again. Um, I thought the coverage was, was pretty solid for the most part. Um, I like that. Uh, Chandler Catanzaro didn't miss any kicks. I think there were a lot of positives in this game. Um, they didn't run the ball, you know, for a lot of yards, but when they did run it, um, I thought they ran it effectively. So I thought that was a, a positive. Um, they hadn't, you know, they've been pretty inconsistent with the running game, but last night they ran the ball a little bit better. They just, they couldn't keep running it because they fell behind because of the uh, turnovers. And, you know, that's the unfortunate thing. But you know what? That, that's football. You're going to have turnovers, and uh, you just got to figure out a way to bounce back and make it a game again when that happens. And lo and behold, that's what they did. Yeah, the tempo of these games, uh, I think the jury's still out in this running game to some degree. The offensive line, I do think, will get better. But there is no denying 
how good the passing game is. Eight different Buccaneers caught passes from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mike Evans, the guy just continues to have a great season. Averaged 22.8 yards per catch, 137 yards. And we talked about Chris Godwin. You have O.G. Howard. Hey, we had a Cam Brate signing. His first catch of the year was a touchdown. And Adam Humphreys, once again, is uh, is big in this game at times. I talked to Adam Humphreys after the game on spreading the wealth in this offense yet again. Good to see uh, you know everyone you know get some touches and uh, you know, obviously good to see Cam get in the end zone. He's a you know, big target down there, so um, it was good to see everyone involved. But at the same time, there's there's a lot you know left out on the field and a lot we can improve on. How about the balance in the passing game? Once again, we saw it, Roy. Yeah, you know, I'll say I'm, I think we're getting to the point where we shouldn't be surprised because again, there's so many weapons. It's almost like you know, hey guys, we, we really haven't been featuring uh, Cameron Brait much. We we got to get him the ball. Let's let's get him yeah. in the end zone because. He's going to start to feel bad for himself, and uh, you know we got to take care of that. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. That was a good thing. Uh, but you're right when you've got so many weapons, and you know we've hardly even talked about guys like Adam Humphreys and uh, you know some of those guys. I mean, there's just so much to choose from in this offense. And I think that's one of the great things about it. And again, one of the things that people kind of continue to overlook a little bit, in my opinion, is that this is an offense that's just got it's got weapon after weapon after weapon, and we haven't even seen that guy that the Bucks took with their second-round draft pick. Remember that guy, Ronald Jones? Yeah, remember? He was supposed to be a home run hitter. Right now, they don't really need his home runs, but sooner or later, they're probably going to need him, and it's good to have a guy like that in reserve. Unfortunately, our man Justin Thomas, our producer, has played as many snaps as Ronald Jones has this season. That's not good when you have your second-round pick doing that. Let's jump on the defensive side of the ball. I thought the defense was very shaky in the first half. You know, Brent Grimes comes back. Uh, didn't play well for the most part, I didn't think. In the second half, they stepped it up, but at the end, they really needed a big stop. They didn't get it. I caught up to Quan Alexander after the game to talk about the defensive effort. We played hard, man. We played, we played to, to, to the game was over. You know, uh, that, that shows a lot about us. And uh, you got to come out with the W, you know, uh, in, the, in, the, in the NFL. You know, those games come, there's a lot of games come down to the last to the last play, so you got to find a way to finish it. We're going to find it, you know. Uh, we ain't done yet, you know. We just got to keep our mind straight, come back in on, on Wednesday and get ready for uh, Chicago. A lot, lot, lot of things happen in this game, mm-hmm. but you, the Steelers get the ball with about two and a half minutes left. Uh, mm-hmm. How tough was it not to you know, give the offense back the ball after that? It was tough, man. We were trying our hardest to get in the ball, but um, you know, uh, we, just, we, just, we just didn't do it. But I ain't even trying to worry about that no more. I'm trying to move mm-hmm. on to Chicago and just get ready. Well, defensively, what stood out for you, Roy? Because to me, another breaking news on, on this Tuesday is Chris Conti, uh, the Buccaneers' safety, he's out for the season on injured reserve. And it just doesn't get any easier for the secondary. Vernon Hargraves, you know, Brent Grimes is finally back. And, uh, you know, Carlton Davis, I thought, played good. Uh, MJ Stewart is still learning. I mean, this, this secondary is a work in progress for sure. Yeah, it is. And this is another big blow. I mean, boy, it's really a shame. Um, I'm starting to, to fear, and, and it's only a fear, that we're not going to see the best of the Buccaneers this year simply because the secondary is so beat up. I mean, you've lost Vernon Hargraves, and say what you want about Vernon Hargraves. I'm not even beginning to, to suggest that um, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league or anything like that, but I think he was, I think he was on the brink of having a nice bounce-back season. Let's say that. Brent Grimes is already playing hurt. Um, I, I promise you when he came back yesterday, he wasn't 100% and it showed on the field. He was a bit rusty. Uh, the fear is, you know, guys his age, sooner or later they hit a wall. And if 
Brent Grimes hits the wall this year. Well, then what have you got? Well, you can lean on the kids, but the kids are going to be inconsistent. Um, they're not going to be pro bowlers and they're not going to play like pro bowlers. So the, here's the thing. Now you've lost. And again, this is a big debate among Bucks fans. Most of them hate, for whatever reason, Chris Conti. I would say most of those that don't understand or don't like Chris Conti don't really understand the kind of game he's asked to play or what his job is. Chris Conti is as good an athlete as there is on the Buccaneers. He's a very strong safety who has gotten better and better in this system. He has saved more touchdowns than he's given up as a safety in this system and with the Buccaneers in that uniform. And losing him is a big blow. Now, it puts more pressure on Justin Evans, who you heard me say it last night, Mike, um, as we sat there watching the game. I think he's the Bucks' best defender right now, Bucks' best, best defensive back number one, but it puts more pressure on him now. And it puts more pressure on a kid like Jordan Whitehead, who's going to have to step up and play a lot more now. Um, this team's going to have to go out and sign somebody. Um, who will it be? Don't know. You hear a lot of names being thrown out there now. Some of them are uh, attractive, but uh, there's a reason these guys are out on the street. So my guess is they'll probably just work some guys in that they, uh, that they already know and, and like. And uh, so we'll see where it goes from there. But um it's a tough blow. It really is. The Bucks, in my opinion, lost one of their five best defenders when they lost uh, number 23, and I think it's going to hurt them down the road. I like the Eric Reed name on the street. That's kind of interesting. That's a guy that's rested and is very talented. Of course, it would be controversial because he is grouped in with Colin Kaepernick for protesting the anthem, but I, I like that name a lot, Roy. Yeah, I do too. And, and look, here's something where Bucks fans have to realize – you know, look, we're fans. Even you and I, Mike, who are, who are paying closer attention to this than 90% of the people, um, and that's with all due respect to all fans, you know, we don't see what scouts see. We don't see what Jason Light sees. Um, and that's, you've just, in, in situations like this, you just, at the end of the day, you just have to trust, you know, them and say, all right, they're going to know who the best player is. Again, there is a reason some of these players are out on the street and it's not because it's not always because, well, they want a lot of money. A lot of it is because you know what? They just see that this guy's lost a step. He's just not as good at this anymore. You know, we've seen that happen where you bring in an older guy and you know, everybody's excited. And then all of a sudden, well, you know, what's the difference? Well, there isn't one. He's really not any better than a a guy that you're going to pay, you know, half as much money or, or, or a third of, you know, the salary. So, um, I, I think at the end of the day, the Bucks will make a, a sound decision here, but it just means that everybody else uh, is going to have to step up and play a little bit better. And that's a tough call for everybody involved uh, in, this, uh, in this defense because it's already tough. It's tough enough to play defense in this league. It just got tougher for the Buccaneers to play defense in this league. And before we get to three and out, our final segment, to your point, what you just said about fans and not knowing the – you know, the dynamics of what goes on with general managers and scouts. You know, you have Earl Thomas out there. You have Le'Veon Bell. It'd be nice to just uh, be like the New York Yankees and and not have a salary cap and get all these guys, but some of them are franchise tags. You know, people and fans, they don't they don't get a lot of that stuff. And they don't – they don't. some of these guys are older. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, there is. There is a lot going on. And, um, you know, you know, but look, th- this is what they signed up for. So it's a tough deal. There's no doubt. But – I don't think it's the end of the season. You know, you lose a guy. He's an important guy, uh, better than people think. You know, the one, I'll tell you what, right now, the last thing I think the Bucks want to see happen 
is everybody begin to realize just what they had in Chris Conte. You don't want that to happen, okay? Right. And it could. It, it actually could happen. I don't want it to happen, but it could. All right. Well, we've, we've talked about just about everything. We've diagrammed the Monday night game. We've talked about the quarterback situation. Roy and I don't really understand the controversy right now and don't understand the debate. And uh, I know what Dirk Cutter is trying to do, but uh, we think Fitzmagic will be the guy in Chicago. But we still have three big questions that Roy Cummings needs to answer. Justin, you know what time it is. And we are out. We love the theme song. Three and out. Three questions and Roy Cummings and we're all out. Uh, number one, uh, some fallout from the Monday night game. Which Buccaneer lost maybe the most street cred? Chris Conte getting stiff-armed by Vance McDonald as he get gallops in the end zone? Or Gerald McCoy, who was mic'd up, and actually we heard him somewhat apologize to Ben Roethlisberger for uh, – Touching him last night. Uh, who's lost the most street cred? Oh, that's a tough call. Uh, the, the problem I have, you know, I, I guess I'll go with, well, look, I, I suppose the answer that everybody's going to go with is, is is Gerald McCoy, but that's what you expect out of Gerald McCoy. That's how he plays the game. That's how Leroy Selman played the game. Um, you know, Leroy Selman was probably never mic'd up as much as, uh, you know, and, you know, found a moment like that. But who cares? I mean, he hit him, and he had to get a penalty, you know, so – Maybe you shouldn't have hit him. But, um, look, I, I would say just watching it live, I, I would say it was Chris Conti. But then when you look at that thing again, man, that tight end was twice Chris Conti's size. I mean, yeah. and, he, and yeah. he got the leverage on him. You know, he, he had a little bit of he had a little bit of uh, push on that on, on that helmet. He got him in the helmet. And, you know, obviously it, it ended up uh, real poorly for uh, for Chris Conti. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh I don't know if anybody loses street cred. I suppose Gerald McCoy loses some, but uh, Gerald McCoy is still one of the best players ever to wear a Buccaneers uniform. Um, I don't care if he apologizes to everybody. It's yeah, you, you know, we saw Tony Dungy being inducted into the Ring of Honor. someday. Gerald McCoy will be in that Ring of Honor. There's no doubt about it. But I'll, I'll look at it both ways. I mean, Chris Conte, if he never plays another snap for the Buccaneers, boy, everybody's going to remember that play. Uh, and Gerald McCoy. You know, it's it's. I think it's awkward enough that that was picked up, but it just plays into the narrative of Gerald McCoy because he is such a nice guy, does so many things that are right. And I know, you know, you even hear spots that he does that he's kind of sensitive to that. So it's not like that. You know, if you heard that from a defensive lineman anyway, it would kind of be news. But because it's Gerald McCoy, I have to say that just because it's the whole narrative with him. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I get that, and but I don't like it. I don't either. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not agreeing with it. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. You know? Re- look, Reggie White was not – he was like Gerald McCoy. Leroy Selman was like Gerald McCoy. You don't have to be Warren Sapp, the Pro Bowl <laughs> right. caliber player. It's just that right. simple. Right. All right, our second question in our three and out. If you could draft all over again with the advantage of hindsight and with the advantage of seeing what has happened in the first three weeks of the NFL, Roy Cummings – would you draft Derwin James over Vita Vea? No. No? No. No, 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 no. no. Not based on what's going on with the secondary and what's been going on with Derwin James playing well and what's been going on with Vita Vea not playing. Starts Still no? Front in the NFL. You build from yeah. you build from the from the front back. And one of the problems the, the Bucks are, are suffering right now in a way because they've never built from the front. Well, I shouldn't say never. They haven't built from the front back since John Gruden was in charge of this football team. 
that was the, the back in the day, instead of going after top level defensive ends and tackles, the Bucks spent way too much effort trying to get secondary players. They put too much re- of their too much of their resources into um, players like Akeem Tlaib, and Akeem Tlaib is a solid player, you know, and, and Darrell Revis and things like that. The problem is you got to know the scheme here. The scheme is a zone scheme. In the Buccaneers' zone scheme, you don't have to have the best cornerbacks in the league or the best safeties in the league. What you need is one of the best pass rushes in the league. And also the thinking here was we need to be better against the run so that when if we slow teams down on first and second down, we then put ourselves in a situation where we have more third and long. And that's how you get to quarterbacks. You don't, be, you don't get to quarterbacks on third and three or third and two. You get to quarterbacks on third and seven, third and eight, third and 12. That's what the Bucs are trying to get to. Let's see Vita Vea play first. I don't think that Derwin James would make that much of a difference in this particular Bucks scheme. Yeah, Derwin James is off to a, a great start in San Diego. You know, a lot of people thought Derwin James would be that first pick. We started uh, doing a lot of draft specials. Neither one of us thought he would be the first pick. Now, we had, you know, it was kind of all over the board at that point. Not many thought Vita Vea would be either, but yeah, let's see. Let's see Vita Vita play. That's what's great about podcasts, boys. We can we can speculate. We can use hindsight. We can have fun with that. And, and uh, our third three and out uh, question, we'll bring Justin in for this. You know, we like to do a little pop culture, go off the rails a little bit. And, boy, we've done it recently for sure. Um, here's a debate. You know, last week we did Tom Hanks movies. I threw Forrest Gump out there. Boy, you guys made me feel like a, like a loser pretty much. And, and uh, you picked uh, – I still got to watch Catch Me When You Can. Is that is that the name of it? Catch Me If You Can. Catch Me If You Can. Yep. Catch Me If You okay, Can, yes. You. Okay, there you go. Um, all right. Who's better, Billy Joel or Elton John? Elton John. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, you, you, <laughs> Billy Joel is better than Bob Seger. <laughs> I mean – but I think Billy Joel's a little, just a little bit overrated. And again, okay, here. Oh no, really? I just, I just do. I, look, I honestly think, and I feel bad for a lot of people that grew up in the seventies and eighties, late seventies, mostly eighties and stuff, listening to music who didn't have, you know, who's whatever for whatever reason didn't have the opportunity to listen to to the the greatest bands of all time, like the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, the Who, you know, great artists, you know, that kind of stuff, um, and kind of had to settle for the Billy Joel's and, and that Billy Joel's great. Yes, he's great, but I, I still think his best song is Allentown. And, you know, that, well, I love Allentown. Yeah. I think that's his best song after that. You know, I have a hard time, uh, you know, listening to, and well, I, I liked, you know, we didn't start the fire that that's to me, that's a classic, but uh, you know, I, I, I'll take Elton John by far. Elton John in the real rock and roll hall of fame, Elton John belongs for sure. He's probably a first ballot guy. I guess Billy Joel would be too, but might not be on my first ballot. I, you know what? I love you, Roy Cummings, but I could not disagree more. I think Billy Joel may be my – he's definitely arguably my favorite musician ever. On my iPod, I mean, from uh, – I mean, my goodness. Piano Man, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant, uh, New York State of Mind. I love Allentown. Um, the only problem I have with Billy Joel and the edge you can give to Elton John – is Billy Joel stopped writing songs, uh, you know, 30 years ago. And I, I, to his credit, he says he stopped because he, he didn't feel like he had the same juice for it, really. 
And I think he and Elton John toured for a while, and Elton John used to kind of pick at him. And I think that's probably why they're not touring anymore because he probably got tired of hearing about it. But, I mean, I love Elton John too, but Justin's going to have to break the tie because it's not a contest for me. Billy Joel's my guy. Justin, what what you say? All right, so y'all bring stats usually for the football part of the podcast. I brought stats for this part. My pick is the guy who has sold over 300 million records, has more than 50 top 40 hits, and that's including seven consecutive number ones. I'm going to side with Roy on this one, go with Elton John. Oh, he brought it. He brought it. He brought Man, the stats. He what? did. Justin, you are the MVP of this podcast. <laughs> every night. But tonight for sure. And, you know, I was thinking if, if – if, I'm moving out. If we're going to here, you got to go with who's got the more iconic songs. Exactly. And and, and I'm sorry, but that, that has to be that, – that, that's got to be Elton John. Yep. I mean, he's yeah, got an anthem for a country. <laughs> yeah. He sang, yeah. It, he sang at Princess Diana's funeral. Billy Joel never wore a uh, Mickey Mouse costume. What was it? Donald Duck costume while he's playing the piano, though. I mean, But that's on. what makes Let's Elton John that. so great. I mean, look, I, I think Billy uh, Joel's talented, but he, Elton John put on a show, and that's what people like. He married Christy Brinkley. Come on, give him some points. Well, he gets points for that. That's true. He does get yeah. points for that. But he couldn't hang. Couldn't hang with him. Yeah. Couldn't hold on to him. <laughs> couldn't hold on to him. Okay? You know, I love this podcast. Like this, by the way. Elton John was in a band that had a mega hit before he was Elton John. What band was that? T-Rex. Oh, no way. I never knew that. Yeah. Whoa. Go look at the old videos. That's him, you him got... on the piano. Wow. It's, it's funny that Allentown is your favorite Billy Joel song, though, because that's one of my favorites. And I think it's kind of an underrated song of his, too. It is. It, it's very underrated. I just, yeah, I, I think it's his, one of his best medleys. Look, Piano Man is is classic. You know, one of the top 100 songs of all time, arguably. Um, but I don't know if I would put anything else from him in that list. Um, I, I look at Billy Joel a little bit. You know, sometimes have you heard I, of Vienna? Listen to Vienna. Vienna is a great Billy Joel song. I, I, I'll have to do that. I, I think. I think sometimes he. The Stranger oh, came out in 1977. On. Justin's bringing all these stats. You know, you guys are cornering me here. I'm. I'm I got to swing out of the corner here. Vienna. Off the strain, the stranger, nineteen seventy-seven. There is not a bad song on that. That is a good album. Great, that is a good album. But Elton John's. Great. Anyway, okay. <laughs> well, you know what? That's why we love this podcast. Justin, did we leave anything out? Um, I will say one thing that I thought interesting from the game. I thought maybe y'all would talk on was, and this is prevalent in the NFL right now. Clay Matthews is getting uh, beat up about this. What do y'all think about the change of the rules and the roughing the passer flags? They got to change it back. It's it's really it's become ridiculous. You can't hit a quarterback anymore, and it's just it's awful. You can't look. It's hard enough. You can't play defense in this league anymore. You can't touch receivers. You can't touch the quarterback. And I understand that the league wants excitement and a lot of points. They want to make it a little bit like the college game, but. If you can't do it naturally with just better talent on that side of the ball or figuring out how to beat a defense, well, then just deal with what you got because I don't like what I'm seeing in terms of what used to be. Look, this game is – the the violence of the game 
has sold this game. That's what people tune in for. They want to see the hits. They want to see the the physical, uh, uh, you know, the athleticism and everything else. And and I think they're being robbed of it now, right now. To quote Billy Joel, sometimes they go to extremes. <laughs> Right. You're not going to win this one, Mike. No, we should, <laughs> we, we should do polls on uh, on PeterPyrus.com. And you know what? I think we'd bring in more of a you know a bigger audience if we did Billy Joel or, or Elton John. I'd really like to see who would win that. I would. Okay. I would. I'm just yeah, saying. I, 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 I'm yeah, we need to start doing stuff like that. Yeah. Well, listen, great job, guys. Uh, um, you know, quick turnaround. We're going to get a lot of sound from the Bucks locker room. Man, it's already uh, Wednesday coming up here so we'll get a lot of sound we'll have a podcast coming up later in the week but uh, great job Roy Cummings great breakdowns good job Justin way to back me in the corner guys I really appreciate it uh, but we'll have more pop culture in our three and out next week and we'll have a lot more football actually our next podcast excuse me but uh, thanks to our title sponsors House of Brews Sea Dog Brewing Company great brews great food great service I'm Mike Neighbors please subscribe to pewterpirates.com it's free folks a lot of great video content out there we have a Roy's Rapid Reaction after games, and we have all kinds of uh, fun podcasts twice a week as well. So that's another rendition of A Few Extra Bucks. We'll see you down the road.